Welcome to the 262nd episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that looks so much better in the old border. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week is not Travis Allen, it's Cliff Daigle at Word of Commander or Word of Command on Twitter. Word of Commander, good job that after five years you can remember my Twitter handle. I mean, I know I your feel, name. I feel blessed. Don't don't ever have to memorize, you know, I don't ever look at your Twitter handle, to be honest. We're, we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here. Looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. This show, as always, is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to check, track your specs, chat on an awesome Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, my friend, Travis has a migraine today. It's... uh, Almost certainly baby-related. If it's not baby-related, it's probably the frustration of being so far behind and listing all of his uh, various poorly organized specs. How do you know they're poorly organized? Have you been to his house? He's, he's told me that they're poorly organized. Well, I'm sure he's just being metaphorical about that. Travis strikes me as an, as an organized dude who I will not let you cast aspersions upon. As with much of the MTG Finance community, I'm pretty sure that if we had live cam view of his desk, it would be covered in piles of disorganized cards. I do not have a single magic card on my desk right now. Impressive. Oh, uh, no, I've actually... Uh, I sold off all my bulk last year, uh, but I do have a whole shelf on my uh my hutch that is just like shipping supplies like i've got top loaders of every single size in there a whole bunch of the hinge cases i'm not i'm not better than anybody i just don't have any cards right now i was two hours outside of toronto yesterday coming back after dropping the girls off in the middle of nowhere uh to be at the cottage for most of the week and as i was passing through a small village i noticed a light on and I looked over my shoulder and remembered that it was a collectible store that had been closed for most of COVID and saw the guy walking around in there. So I ran up to the window and knocked with my double mask on and guy unlocked the door, recognized me and was like, oh, you probably want top loaders, huh? I just had an order come in. I've got a full case at 13 cents US a, a, a top loader. And I was like, boy, could I sh- shove money in your face any faster, sir? Please, may I have another? <laughs> the the top loader discussion on the Discord from people who've been moving cards like hotcakes in the past couple months has really been fascinating. Uh, there's there's a whole lot of books to be written about stuff that happened during the pandemic, but the effect on collectibles of little stuff like we can't find top loaders is uh, is one of the really hilarious ones to me. All the pl- plastics factories in China have basically been repurposed for COVID gear. So it's uh, tough, <laughs> yeah, tough to find suppliers to make plastic that aren't being offered more money by other other venues. Um, so yeah, top loaders 
there's vendor partners of ours that have been selling top loaders on card market in the EU for $30 a pack when they're normal. I think the ones I got last night were $3 a pack US. And I was very lucky to have found them. You just you said somebody sold top loaders at 30 a pack? 30 a pack. <laughs> like consistently, like dozens and dozens of packages at 30 a pack. Because, That's too good. Because you just can't get them anywhere. So that's what they cost now. <laughs> They're over a dollar a top loader. So you better make sure that the card you're putting in there is worth less than a dollar. More than well, a dollar. More than a dollar. On that note, let's get to what we're doing this week. Holy crap. Um, we're going to have our usual four segments this week. First off, the top movers. We're going to walk through cards with the biggest gains. We're going to talk about our picks of the week. Uh, the two of us have some uh, some really, I like your picks and I, I hope you like mine. Uh, we've got some tournament results to discuss, and we're going to talk a little bit about Modern Horizons 2, which just got announced uh, when? Today? Yesterday? I've, time has well, no meaning for me anymore. So The set's been announced for some time, but some details were put out through the WPN uh, network website, which is aimed at vendor official and premium vendors for Wizards of the Coast. Um, so we do have some additional details to discuss. Uh, just to clarify, we're starting with the MTGO Metagame Week in Review, Segment 1, Segment 2, Top Paper Movers, Segment 3, Paper Cards to Watch, then the Topic of the Week. Thank you for uh, clarifying that for me. Just in case anybody listening hasn't isn't already way past that and has already skipped this portion. <laughs> Alright, so diving on into the Metagame Week in Review, Pioneer post-bands looking extra spicy. So many cool decks this week. Uh, top of the heap was a deck that's been all over the place in this format for months and months and months, even when there was broken stuff going on in abundance. Uh, and this is the Black-White Auras deck, a uh, whole pile of creatures that it is beneficial to play Auras onto, uh, and then a pile of the Auras themselves. The whole deck probably costs $1.50, so it's a pretty good option if you can, you're playing Paper Pioneer with your sibling, partner, the neighbor, maybe across on the opposite balcony via tin cans and hand signals. You know, <laughs> whatever you got going on. Uh, second place deck, much more spicy. Naya Eldritch Evolution. Running three Eldritch Evolution, three Angrath's Marauders. Betting a lot of listeners will have to look that one up. Four Voice of Resurgence. There's a blast from the past. Four Winota Joiner of Forces. She of the Brokenness from last spring. And then three Essica's Chariot, uh, a potentially unsung hero of the Kaldheim rare sets. Uh, Essica's Chariot is a 4-4 legendary artifact vehicle for four mana. When it enters the battlefield, you get two 2-2 green cat creature tokens, so it goes in cat decks and EDH for sure. Uh, and then when Essica's Chariot attacks, create a token that's a copy of target token you control. All sort of open-ended token synergies for the chariot that are making me take a second look at whether I want to have some of the uh, foil showcase of this card uh, in my back pocket for down the road. I mean, you get to copy any token you control, and what they're hoping for is the Voice of Resurgence token, because you get to Voice of Resurgence, and sack it to the Eldritch Evolution, and you'll be left behind with a token that has power and toughness equal to the number of creatures you control. So uh, that, that scales delightfully quickly. With the chariot, so this is this is spicy indeed. Uh, notable in here uh, is uh, pathways for red green and white green. Um, they are gonna see 
play alongside uh, Shocklands. It's not like somebody didn't decide they wanted one or the other. They said, why not both? And Pioneer Pathways are making significant inroads. In Modern, they seem locked out by the the abundance of other options. But if, if Pioneer survives and Pathways are, are likely to see gains, the... Uh, the only thing is every standard-related set for the next year has a chance to have pathways included. They could show up in commander decks. They could show up in challenger decks. They There's a secret layer coming in the summer, as we talked about last week. So we'll see how all that plays out. But I like the pathways longer term for sure, because on a three- to four-year horizon, they're probably going to do very well. I also really like in this deck the two-sideboard Archon of Emeria with the uh, double... Uh, tax of one spell per turn and the non-basics your opponent control intertapped. I do love that an awful lot. You're also running three Showdown of the Skulls out of the board. That's the one that lets you exile the top four cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You can play those cards and whenever you cast a spell this turn, pull a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. That's got all sorts of little synergies in this deck and uh, powerful uh, card advantage in colors that don't normally have access to it. See, uh, third place is uh, an awesome version of uh, Lotus Field combo. Um, this one especially, uh, I like how they got uh, Wolf Willowhaven to go on to the uh, Lotus Field. So you're going to get four mana every cycle through. That's just makes me happy, man. Just yeah. makes me happy. And later you can make a 2-2 two -two if you need to for whatever reason. Although I imagine that's not the primary game plan compared to using Fey, which is to go get uh, Jace, Wielder, Mysteries to finish things off. And it looks like sometimes they might go get nine lives uh, against certain decks. The The whole thing is interesting because people, some people presumed that without uh, Underworld Breach that this deck might be retired, but presumably not since it finished third here in this tournament. Also, uh, the four Balaged recovery looks real good once you start layering the uh, Wolfalo Havens onto the Lotus Field. Balaged recovery foils don't have any kind of special treatment version and are very likely to get there given enough time, even though they're just on commons, uh, since they are seeing massive EDH play and look like they're posting up in Pioneer as well. Also going to be a cube card. Casuals have no reason not to like it. Let's see, next up we have a Niv-Mizzet deck. Uh, always awesome to see the mana base on a Niv-Mizzet deck and what people want to go for. You got the, your Bring the Lights, finding your Niv-Mizzets. Uh, two Valky in this one. Yep, Scar um, Scarab God, that's a new addition, haven't seen that in here before. Two Omnath, even though they don't have Uro to play with anymore. A Clothis, a Hostage Taker. Fabro Elder, a Deputy of Detention. These are all like previous Uro slots. And Anissa of Shadowed Bows. I'm pretty sure in Pioneer I would probably be playing five-color Niv. It just looks like games are fun. There's there's so many different cards at your disposal. It probably plays a little different out a little differently every game. Can you bring to light to do Valky's uh, Vol yep. uh, Flip Tibble? Yep. That's hot. That's real hot. It's one, one of the few remaining ways in the, under the recent rules change. So, uh, Hence why Valky's still seeing play here. Um, fifth, we have the mono black vampires, as opposed to the black white version we saw in the top eight last week. Nothing too new or exciting there. And then we've got the same uh, Naya Evolution brew in sixth that we had in second. So 
clearly not just uh, a flash in the pan. The only difference in the mana base here, they have eight pathways instead of six. Um, so again, more and more pathways. Now this next one is probably probably the sexiest one of the week. Jeskai Combo Control. So this is a Nahiri the Harbinger, four Narset Parter Avails, a Sarkin Unbroken, the only green splash in the deck. We'll get back to that in a second. Three Agent of Treachery to go with four Transmogrify, a combo we've seen played with in uh, Pioneer and Modern in the last year. Two Anger of the Gods, three Deafening Clarion as your board, early board control cards. And then again, four Essica's Chariot. Inch other enchantments include four Chain to the Rocks, four Fires of Invention, which I could have sworn was banned in this format, but I guess not. Four Omen of the Sea, four Shark Typhoon, four Birth of Miletus. Miletus? I think Miletus. For the Raven's Warning. And so the deal here is that Omen of the... Sorry. Uh, Shark Typhoon, Birth of Miletus, the Raven's Warning, Essica's Chariot, all create tokens that can activate Transmogrify to go get Agent of Treachery to go steal your opponent's best stuff. And what's not to love? And the Sarkin Unbroken makes dragon tokens on the minus two. So... You can also fool around with Transmogrify into Agent with those tokens. But the Dragon tokens also work with Raven's Warning, because whenever one or more creatures you control with flying deal combat damage to a player, look at that player's hand and draw a card. It is the second stage of the saga, uh, Raven's Warning. Yeah, the, uh, the, the synergies here uh, also of note, this is a, an 80-card Yorion deck. They got one in the sideboard, it looks. One is the companion and then an extra one in the sideboard. Yeah, so, um, so that there's extra layers there with Sarkin, because Sarkin is minus two from four loyalty to make the first dragon token. Then you could Yorion, reset Sarkin, and away you go, right? Yeah, uh, you wouldn't be able to use it again until the next turn anyway, but you do get the, the extra couple of loyalty. Uh, but Essica's Chariot to, uh, into Sarkin Unbroken seems ridiculous, because then you make your dragon... Use your dragon to crew the chariot, and you make a copy of the dragon immediately. <laughs> yeah, that's cute too. Uh, Sarkin Unbroken is just a, a phenomenal card. If you're ahead, you can you got your choice of what you want to do. You know, draw cards and uh, pump yourself up. Uh, this is this is fun. I think I would play something like this, especially a four Shark Typhoon deck, where you're free to cycle away the first three copies you get, and just you land that fourth one, and it feels so good. Foil Ezekiel's chariots are a dollar fifty or something on TCG. You could, That's not a surprise. You could scarcely go wrong to pick a place that, that up for personal use. Is that foil or showcase foil? Showcase foil. Showcase foil. The showcase foil looks so much better. Yeah, showcase is especially nice in Kelvin. All right, so moving right along to wrap things up, we've got a green-red mid-range deck. We've seen variants of this in this format before. I guess the most notable thing here is two Kiora Behemoth Beckoner in here, alongside two Turntipper Symbiosis, two Crater's Claws, and two the Great Hinge. Yeah, if you haven't gotten your Great Hinges, uh, you better hurry up on that. Although, I I don't know when they're going to get around to reprinting it, but it, it always felt like something that should be in a Commander deck, but it's rapidly tracking to be too expensive for that it's, it's already too expensive for that it could have been in the challenger decks that they released this this spring for standard but it wasn't so that they, was a surprise I they clearly they clearly have drawn a line around that as and, and it could be the fact that eldraine had so many cards that were so good 
pumped hard on price and they got banned that they might be thinking you know for the sake of <laughs> the set we might just want to leave the 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 last artifact standing as it were alone for a little while all right i mean for sure this thing's going to show up in commander legends two or three in a couple of years like no doubt in my mind because um, they can use great henge to anchor a product down the road so they'll be more than happy to let the non-foils get up into the 60 to 80 to $100 range before they reprint it. Hmm. All, right. All right, so moving right along to the modern top eight. A little bit more predictable here with just probably one deck in uh, in the surprise category. Green-white creature combo has been looking real good coming out of the bannings because since they were totally unaffected. Blue-red prowess in second, dredge in third, stoneforge taxes in fourth and fifth. This is mono-white with the stoneforge mystic package. In fact, back on the menu in sixth. And using two of the, uh, the green instant from Cal time that puts a counter on and gives hexproof till the end of turn. Uh, the most notable update. And then seventh is a silk slivers list that runs a whole pile of slivers, four unsettled mariner at modern horizons, four ether vial, four cavern of souls, and four sliver hive. Uh, and then black red shadow scourge and eighth. So modern looking healthy, though not too nothing too surprising there. I completely forgot that there was a sliver, a, a one one sliver for flanking uh, that they're playing two of in this particular one. They're just like I need all the one drop slivers because. Uh, I'm going to get there when I give them all flying or give them all flying in haste. You don't have too much time in modern or legacy slivers to get your plan of action in motion <laughs> before people start casting things that wipe them off the board. So, <laughs> Or just bypass them and ignore them. Or oogin them on turn three. That's true. At one, what's the? How do you count? One, two, seven? Yeah. Sounds about right. All right, moving on to top paper movers this week. We've got Soul Ring at a third edition going from eh, 16 to 22, 37, 40% gains. Not super notable in terms of its move this week, but it's very notable in how much it's been gone up in the last six months to a year. I mean, this used to be a thing you could get piles of and nobody really cared about them. They were sub $5 for ages and ages. But revised cards started getting targeted in the last six months when people got couldn't had basically plumbed the greatest depths of the deep blue sea of reserve list they just started going on after everything else that could even remotely be justified by scarcity or age and uh third edition has certainly been swept up into that next along the list we have uh, another variant on that premise rashad and ports the marcadian masks version which is the original printing going from 56 to 77 also nearly 40 percent gains same kind of thing this this is just part of a pile of cards where people are going after the original version of something that get sees plenty of play even if it is not on a reserve list and has been reprinted many times just on the basis that there are only so many copies of the originals only so many in near mint shape only so many that haven't been absorbed into collections never to pop back out again. And as time goes on, this process goes you know, on and on and on across a wide swath of older cards. And uh, yeah, here we are. You know, um, it, the reprints hasn't, haven't mattered much to it, and uh, it has dropped down. The other, printing, the other printings are still relatively cheap, but like you said, uh, we're getting a lot of nostalgia for original printings going on, and... That holds true with the uh, the next two, really. Uh, Flooded, Sh Flooded Strand out of Onslaught has gone from about 42 to 60. 
Uh, we haven't had any new copies of it since uh, Cons of Tarkir. Uh, the, the newer ones are available for a lot less, but, you know, the Time Spiral Remastered is showing just how hungry people are for old borders, and uh, that's where we're at with Flooded Strand. And the next one as well, uh, Maze of Ith from the Dark, has gone from 38 to 55. Uh, that original dude looking like he's in a cocoon of some kind art that... Um, I think is much cooler than the uh, newer printings that just have like a, a, a hedge maze from above sort of look, but that that's where we're at. There are not a lot of copies out there of these versions compared to the reprints. So back on Flooded Strand, Onslaught Foils currently have two copies left on TCG Player, one posted at $700, one at 824 so those have shown significant growth this year as well. And I suspect that the next domino to fall along that chain of thinking is going to be the judge promos. Because the judge promos are have had middling demand over a long period of time. They're not as desirable as the original foils, but the gap versus the original foils is now something like five times. And yeah. four to five times, and that doesn't make sense. Like they're they're not five times nicer. <laughs> That's you've for also sure. got you've also got the uh, the two different uh, Zendikar uh, expeditions. You have the original, mm -hmm. you have the Zendikar battle for Zendikar expeditions and Zendikar rising expedition versions to look at. Um, you get to decide exactly how much you want to pay for uh, whichever art or frame you like best, and that's. I think that's a glorious thing when you have a whole bunch of choices. Interestingly, I don't like the art on any of the premium versions. I don't like Onslaught art. It's extremely bland and nondescript. It almost looks unfinished. That's the same art they use on the Judge promos. The Both Expedition versions, I think, are mediocre. And then the Kanza Tarkir version is fine. Uh, but probably the best version is the uh, promo uh, tournament series version that I think we called on cast a few years back, where we assumed that they were going to make a full set of these and give them out via regional tournaments, and then that whole kind of tournament structure collapsed with the changes to organized play. And those are drying up as well. Like There's only 14 listings left on TCG of that version of Flooded Strands, and they range from 50 to 65 or so. And I would imagine it won't take too much longer for those to drain out, given that they are probably the best art available for the card in question mm, you're getting subjective with best art i don't agree with you about uh this being the best art um, what's your favorite a, um i'm actually really partial to the frame on the zendikar rising expedition um i like the angularity of it i guess would be the word but you know again that's that's me i also dig the fact that the um the cons arts all have like dragon skeletons in some way, mm -hmm. so you're you're showing a thing, but uh, there's there's stuff to be had either way, and it's it's hard to have you know land art, and uh, that's one of the things I've really come to appreciate over the years is that not a lot of lands like look the same, uh, with the exception of maybe some of the Z battle for Zendikar expeditions, they can be kind of hard to tell apart. I would imagine we will get allied fetches in 2022 so entirely possible we'll get a new a fresh premium version of these then or maybe the year after hard to say 
the the expeditions it's going to depend on like how quickly the expeditions dry up currently non-foil versions there's 84 listings and foil versions there is 45 which is not all that deep given that you know discord pro traders were uh concerned that there was too much znr cbs printed i the thing is there's like the expeditions are a pile of lands that people need for decks yeah so they are draining at a steady rate and... I, I will tell you i just bought a uh, a whole set of foil zendikar rising expeditions for my ur dragon deck because i was tired of them not matching sure so um i'm i'm real partial there i, I admit that yeah anyway Moving along, we've got uh, Pipe, uh, Pithing Needle out of Masterpiece Series Inventions uh, from Kaladesh Block, going from 60 to 88 or so. Inventions and ge- just generally the Masterpiece Series promos, judge foils, etc. have been under pressure for months and months, uh, and we're just seeing the, the, the lesser uh, versions uh, of those different subsets being targeted, picked off one by one, domino after domino. Uh, next on the list, FTV Relics. This is the full set. And it's interesting here what's going on because FTV sets, even the good ones, were broadly ignored by many Magic players or even reviled for a des- undesirable foiling process. But now we have... I think people are feeling fairly confident that Reserve List is safe for the time being, and despite all the chatter about it. And... The FTV Relics is the best of the FTV series because it has Foil Mox Diamonds, a card that is on the reserve list, that is worth a lot of money, that has pumped real hard this year, and from a set that didn't have foils because it's from Stronghold. So the foil version is only in the Relics boxes, and we've seen copies of these posted anywhere from two to 3000 recently. I think that the real price on them is probably closer to sixteen to 1800 but I guess the market will, will determine that the EV of those boxes with the other stuff that's in them is somewhere north of a thousand already. So pretty crazy stuff. Also notably, I think Travis reported on the discord this week that he sold an FTV realms and some other people reported same and it was over $400 and FTV realms were widely available under 150 not so long ago. Yeah. Um, if, revised soul rings can make it up to $22 then uh, the sky is the limit on things that you thought were not good but now you have a a lot of things that were not necessarily good but uh, were rare and uh, without looking do you know how long ago FTV realms was like what year yeah I know I have one from like five years ago so I'm gonna say it's seven years I think about seven years, because I remember uh, where I was living at the time, and I had to drive like an hour and a half for a store that had it, and they were gone by the time I got there. Uh, I didn't have kids yet, so it was at least seven years ago. So I want to say it was like 2013, 2012? That sounds about right. FTV Realms has eight listings left on TCG. Uh, One notorious operator that I recognize has four copies. The rest all have one, uh, priced anywhere from $500 to $1,000. So if you got FTV squirreled away that didn't really, that you never cracked, you know, maybe you're a, a, a vendor of a small store, you've had these on the shelf forever and nobody ever bought them. Surprise, you're doing all right. Uh, let's see, what what would you, I'm, I'm going to have to go back and look at some of these other From the Vaults because just remembering them, like, 
you might think FTV Angels is not worth uh, getting in on, but you never know now. Well, apparently Alpha Investments was talking about FTVs on his channel, and <laughs> though we never recommend that you pay much attention to that channel, certainly think twice before you follow his advice. There's no debating that if somebody points a finger at something with a large audience, and even a small portion of that audience follows that finger to a target, then things can change in a hurry. True enough. All right, so the uh, Shockland Expeditions did not uh, make a comeback in Zendikar Rising Expeditions Part 2 alongside their Feshland Brethren. So the Zendikar Expeditions from Battle for Zendikar, which is also, what, seven years ago, uh, are draining right out. Hallowed Fountain went from one, like, under a hundred dollars to now lowest price posted on tcg is just under 200 five list listings left total copies like seven total not very many of those left and this is similar we saw stomping ground make a move recently i think i called one of these not so long ago let me just see when it was steam vents expeditions uh called to pick up in the eu on episode 259 to go from 100 or so to about 150 and sure enough steam vents from the same subset is sitting at and this this one has art that is superb and it's not really debatable Uh, i'm with you on that lowest price copy on the steam vents on tcg currently is 125 i think those are probably a buy will you get more of these at some point yes definitely uh, is there anything on the horizon where we think that's likely? Nothing in the current slate of products. I, I find it unlikely that we're going to get a secret layer uh, Shocklands this year. Not impossible, but that's, that's probably the most most likely thing. Don't think we would see it in the Dungeons & Dragons set. Don't think we will see it in Modern Horizons. They've already told us we're getting enemy fetches there, and I don't think they would add shocks on top of that. Um, probably not getting shocks in Innistrad in the fall, but not impossible. Not impossible that it'd be in Strixhaven either, I suppose. Uh, there's a lot of room for things to not be impossible. You know, they can always add um, things to the list as well uh, when they want to increase the number, of, uh, increase the perception of the number of cards in circulation. Sure. But what uh, what I really like about this is a um, as a card for the Hollow Fountain from this from the uh, expeditions is that the original pack foil in Dissension, uh, the only near mint one on TCG is listed at a cool five hundred dollars. So um, there is still room for this to grow. Like you're looking at moderately played versions of this for around two fifty. So um, if you're looking for a sweet, sweet version of a Shockland, you don't have that many choices. I'd also argue we don't have stunningly beautiful art for a Hallowed Fountain yet either. These The options are fine. Not amazing. Put, putting any land on Ravnica means you have a bunch of buildings on your land card, which I think is suboptimal. I think the Dissension one's pretty great, but I, I see where you're coming from. I just didn't know you were quite this level of snobbery about your lands that's a it's a little surprising as a graphic designer i'm pretty particular about about the art that's for sure the i think the the dissension hallowed fountain is probably my favorite it's got like an uh like london bridge kind of thing going on looks like it's 
the architecture is very London-esque. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like something new and better. Full full art shocks in the next two years is uh, seems like a fairly obvious win for Wizards, so I'm sure they'll do it at some point. All right. Because those, those will move plenty of uh, CVs. The, all right, so moving to keep right along on this list, we've got Winter Orb from Revised, 22 to 35 or so. Again, just targeting of iconic cards from the Revised era. Aethervile Foils from Modern Masters 2013, otherwise known as just Modern Masters. Uh, going from 50 to 85, these are, these are, this card has been out of print since Iconic Masters. And before that, it was Modern Masters. And the IMA foils are headed for 100 as well. They're not very far behind the uh, Modern Masters copies. It's seeing increased play in Modern right now in the green-white uh, creature combo decks. And also in... Sorry, uh, not the green-white decks. The uh, Stoneforge Mystic Taxes decks uh, are probably the, the ones that use it the most. And then, of course, the Sliver deck also runs Ether Vial. So that I'm sure and that's a much smaller factor. Any creature deck is generally going to be happy. If you're running, uh, what, 30-plus creatures, you're going to give Aether Vial serious consideration. If you're in a hurry to get your hand onto the board, you know, Aether Vial is one of those great ways to get around uh, control decks as well. You just, uh, If you can get the Vial on the play, then you're going to be able to uh, just tap it and play your stuff without having to worry about counter spells. Instant speed, end of the opponent's turn, whatever you need to do. It's also yep. worth noting that there are still humans and spirit stacks running around that make use of Vile. So uh, about as, as much of a four of rare staple as you can get in Modern. Um, and if we were playing Modern this year, there, if there was no COVID and never had been, and they had no plans to reprint it this year, this could easily be a card that would be pushing up into the high 60s 80s and beyond i'm with you on that uh Uh, next up we have i'm sorry was there something else you wanted to say nope go for it all right next up we have uh foil marble marble diamond from seventh edition uh it's gone from 48 to 85 uh you know seventh edition foils always going to have that additional price pressure on there uh this is only the there's only two foil versions of this available right we just got Commander Legends? And, yeah. And Seventh. So that's it. Uh, next up is Consecrated Sphinx, uh, the master, the um, invocation version out of Amonkhet. Uh, they basically nearly doubled from about 95 to 170. Uh, like you said, uh, invocation, special frames, they're all experiencing this pressure. Um, we went into a lot of the reasons for that last week with uh, Michael. Priest of Forgotten Gods was one of my picks last week to go 5 to 15 or so over the course of the next 6 months uh, to 12 months. Already gone 5 to 10. Uh, that's probably just pro trader pressure on that because uh, they weren't uh, particularly plentiful even when I was pointing at them. Now the question is whether the market will clean up the rest of them as I think they will. The card is good in uh, Commander at minimum where it does all sorts of work. And if it shows up in pioneer and or cubes and or casual decks it's it's just going to keep going i also don't think this is the kind of card they're going to print very often it could be a long long while before we get more foils of priest of forgotten gods 
Also worth mentioning, this is um, before they upped the foil drop rate and before um, collector boosters as well. Correct. So it's regular ones and foils or bust. Yep. Orem Samet Healer from Tempest, 5 to $10. That's just a reserve list targeting. Stormcrow from Secret Lair, foils 40 to $85. Do not underestimate the power of a meme. Low Clearly. Per- Low print run secret layer that people thought was a joke at the time, and it's made people a bunch of money if they win in on it. Uh, Serpent of Yawning Depths out of Theros Beyond Death, but I think it's actually Theros Beyond Death supplemental, if I'm not mistaken. Like, maybe it's from the Theros Beyond Death commander decks? Serpent. I believe so, yes. Because uh, there are cards now that are not in regular booster packs, but do can show up in supplemental products this is a six mana six six enchantment creature serpent krakens leviathans octopuses and serpents you control can't be blocked except by other krakens leviathans octopuses and serpents this is almost certainly on the move because of coma being such a ridiculous card uh the bane of our current mtg price cal time tournament is the two players that are running around with comas in their decks and this lets your the serpents that Coma generates uh, go unblocked, which is a pretty good way to finish the game. Yep, the, you've got these giant creatures that generally don't have trample. Just play this and get on through. Now this would not have gone six to sixteen if it had been a main set rare. It would still be very cheap, but because it's from the supplemental products that probably weren't open very much last spring, uh, there's probably not that many of them running around in collections. Now, Slaughter Pact out of the Masterpiece Amonkhet Invocation series, also going from about 30 or so to about 80 invocations under pressure again. Uh, Vivian Nature's Avenger out of M20 apparently went from 550 to 18, and I have virtually no insight into why that would have been the case, other than that Uh, that Somerset Mythics are hard to come by. Was that the uh, Planeswalker one? Yeah. This is this one of the ones from the the Planeswalker decks though. Uh, that's what I'm looking right now. I don't I don't think that was in the main set. Uh, yeah, this was number two ninety eight, and yeah, it also has uh, is this was the one out of the um. It's like a Vivian theme deck card. Yeah. No, it it was the yeah the Vivian Planeswalker deck. So, again, situation very similar to the Serpent, where it's just from a product that hardly anybody opened, and most importantly, was not mass-cracked by anybody. You're not going to have, you know, the gaming company on TCG cracking 700 of the Vivian deck, because there's just not enough uh, value to be mined there. And that kind of thing tends to lead to a pattern like this, where you have a card that has probably pretty modest demand, but just doesn't have many copies posted for sale, because vendors don't have them in hand. Yep. Um, next up is, uh, Bellaby's Portal. The foils out of Nemesis, uh, have really jumped from $12 to about $46. Uh, this is the one, it's for five mana, it comes into play, choose a creature. Three tap, put a creature card of the chosen type from your hand into play. Um, this did get a mystery booster reprint, uh, so the non-foils are not going to experience any significant pressure for a while. But, you know, a foil from the year 2000... Uh, there's not going to be that many of them around. And uh, this works well with uh, tribal decks and uh, with Maskwood Nexus, Conspiracy, uh, the blue version, whose name escapes me at the moment. Just uh, all that stuff. 
Arcane adaptation, I believe you're talking about. That's the card, yeah. I had a great moment with Masswood Nexus in the MTG Price Kaldheim tournament last week where I was playing against one of the decks that had the Song of Ice and Fire or whatever it's called, the the Giant Wrath for six mana. Right. And I had the Nexus out, and I couldn't figure out... Like, I knew he had it, and I was pretty sure he had it in hand, but I couldn't figure out why he wasn't playing it. And then I was like, oh, all my creatures are giants right now. It's not going to yep. do anything. <laughs> It's a good feeling. Yeah. Next I must be doing something right. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Just don't know what it is. Of course, I, I destroyed all of the equity I had uh, in playing staff writer David Sharman on the weekend by not once but twice believing that I could foretell something and then try to cast it on the same turn that I had foretold it. Well, aren't you a silly willy? Silly, silly. Uh, all right, so moving on along here, just to wrap things up, we've got Rubina Soul Singer out of Legends holding the position for all the other Legends crap that was targeted in the last weeks and months, going from 30 to 115. Old card targeting continues. Soul Singer's not even a reserveless card, it's just an old Legends card. And then topping the heap this week, Elvish Lyricist JSS Promos. Foils going from 3 to about 18 for 500% gains. Old promo targeting plus Keltheim Elves probably driving that nonsense. And uh, I'm willing to bet you're going to... Probably people will get on on these near 20 pretty easily. There's just none of them around. And card can be played in EDH Elf decks. That's the one destroying an enchantment, right? Yep. Alright. I, I do love the Super Series promo uh, foiling, right? That's got the like cracked mirror thing going on. Mm-hmm. And now that the Elf decks may trend towards green-black... For EDH, it gives them the option to be bringing, you know, if you have recursive elements, then things like this that sack to get rid of a permanent get more and more attractive. All right. Moving on over to the top Magic Online movers of the week. Kind of a, a pretty a pretty solid pile of fire here. Turn Timber Symbiosis Extended Art. Uh, I've got a query in with Oko Assassin, who runs our uh, Magic Online Discord channel. Uh, as to whether there's an article to be written about extended arts being a excellent replacement for foil promos on Magic Online. If you've played Magic Online, you probably know that foils are often at uh, priced below regular copies because the whole foiling concept doesn't really translate online, and they are generally uh, not sought after. However, extended art slash borderless makes a lot more sense as a fancy promo to trick out your deck in that environment. And I'm curious as to whether the stuff that comes in collector boosters in the paper world only coming in treasure chests in the Magic Online world will lead to uh, gains like this on a regular basis. Turn Timber Symbiosis was up across the board this week, but the EA version went from about 8.5 to 12.5, almost 50% gains on multi-format usage. Verdant Catacombs, the expedition uh, from Zendikar Rising, similarly went from 20 tickets to 31 tickets. Also a limited access promo, I'm presuming, from the treasure chest. Also multi-format usage. And uh, that seems to be enough of a trend line to pose a broader question. Elvish Reclaimer out of M28 to 13 or so. Uh, Legacy Elves plus Commander driving those 60% gains. And then we saw Nahiri the Harbinger show up in a Jeskai Yorion control deck and Pioneer that we talked about earlier. 
uh, pushing the card from three and a half tickets or so to about five and a half, seventy percent gains. Ethereal Forager is a big, big winner on Magic Online lately. I picked these up last summer for twelve tickets a piece or so, twelve or thirteen tickets, and you can currently out them over forty on the back of continued Delver Legacy play with Dreadhorde Arcanist being knocked out of that that uh, archetype. Uh, Forager has stepped up to fill the void. What um, what was? Oh, that's right. That was the commander uh, card. Yeah, it's, a, lets it's a you... commander twenty card for legacy. So it's got like yeah. that true name nemesis thing going on. Yeah, you and... can delve that bad boy out for not very much, and then you're getting stuff that you didn't delve away. That's that's value, baby. In paper, the card is currently going for. About $6. Yeah, 7 bucks, but there's only 20 listings left. An argument can be made that Foragers to head to 20 from under 10 it could be a real good bet. And given that they were just in a commander deck less than a year ago, I don't see any reprint on the horizon for this card. I mean, it would be um, not a surprise. Like, they could put anything in a secret lair at this point, and we wouldn't really be too shocked. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think you're onto something here. I mean, Magic Online is getting a lot more play in, uh, gets a lot more legacy play in general, because everything that's hyper expensive in person is not that way online. Well, and what's so, what's what's the price of Ethereal Forge going to be the weekend that they announce the first big legacy tournament coming out well, of the COVID like era? Going to go up. <laughs> it's going to be thirty or forty dollars that weekend, is my guess. The it's not the thing about legacy is it's tough to break in there aren't that many cards per year that can come into the format and the format has been disrupted in recent years with the higher power band in uh, modern horizons and standard but i think forager probably still has a shot to still be around when people get back to paper and if it's true they could drain out real hard uh yeah there's I'm looking at the vendors right now, and there is just not a lot of stuff. Not that deep. And then Alrun's Epiphany, the uh, Time Walk plus two birds card out of Cal Time, uh, going from four tickets to about seven and a half tickets, 82% gains on the back of showing up in a bunch of uh, strong standard control decks, uh, Salti Control and what have you. It's a, it's a powerful list. Speaking of Alrons, I'll pull it from the bottom of my list this week and put it at the top. Uh, <laughs> I, the showcase borderless Alrons Epiphany is different art than the regular card, but doesn't use the Caltime showcase frame. And they can be had in Europe right now for about $7 or so. And I suspect that just on the back of Commander Play alone, where Alrun's Epiphany is already showing up in, let's just see here, it was something like 5%, yeah, 5% of all blue decks. So 359 reported so far on EDH rack, 5% of 7,500. Art's cool, the card takes extra turns. You can foretell it to get it out of your hand and make sure that discard and other problems can't mess with the card as you're setting up to use it and you're basically just exposed to counter spells coming out of the foretold state 
this this card is is not going to be a super huge big deal and i think that it will fall off from five percent probably closer down to two percent of blue decks over time but it's a mythic and i think kyle time's being under opened so on a long enough horizon perfectly happy to snap these off at seven aiming for 20. I'm with you on this, uh, especially with the uh, the lower price you can get overseas. Um, extra turn cards, it's a it's a whole genre of its own. I think the only one that doesn't get a lot of play is the um, the delve one from either Fate Reforged or Dragons of Tarkir. Um, I looked at this for um, I was writing about Kaldheim a week or two ago, and yeah, uh, I'm with you. This is a, a great pick. All of the Fortel mythics have different art instead of a showcase. They yep. did that for some reason in Kaldheim. I feel pretty similarly about Starnheim Unleashed. Yes. Uh, not only does it make a whole bunch of angels that can win a game, the art is fantastic. Much, much better <laughs> than any of the land art we were debating earlier. And foils of that card are currently going for about $10, and I would imagine they will be 25 or 30 in about a, a year or year and a half as well. Because, again, it's a foil showcase, or foil borderless mythic, and there just aren't that many of them around. And this is, Fortel is, is a fairly unique uh, effect. Uh, you get to, for two mana early in the EDH game, you throw this into the can't bother zone and then late game you're just dumping a pile of angels onto the table at... i hope you trademark can't bother it zone can't bother it zone all right so that's my first pick what about yours my first pick this week uh since we're going in uh, this order uh i picked champion's helm uh there's been a lot of pressure on assorted inventions and invocations and uh champion's helm is a really unique card um right now you can get it for around 65 dollars uh card kingdom has it for a little bit less than that at uh, 55 or so um i just picked up two copies for different commander decks uh, i think it's pretty easily going to make it over a hundred dollars sometime in the next six to twelve months uh two weeks ago it had a little mini spike up to 80 but it has come back down and there's only two printings of the card there's original commander in 2011 and then there's the uh, invention version. And you might say three mana for the equipment just to give it 2-2 two, two and hexproof. Um, that's, you know, you've got already Lightning Greaves and Swiftfoot Boots. But there's a ton more of Greaves and Boots out there than there are Champion's Helms. And with the invention pressure, uh, I'm definitely on board with getting your personal copies now. And maybe one or two for when they get expensive. There's still some copies in Europe around 40. And 40 euro or 40 dollars? 40, uh, let's see, all told in, yeah, about mm, somewhere between 40 and 45 uh, euro all told. So pretty, just about maybe 5 or 10 dollars less than you can get them in North America. Does that change your opinion? Nope, I'm just saying that... that, that Europe might be the best place to target them if you have European access. And I agree. I mean, this this card is not a S-tier staple in EDH, but it's a good card. Um, makes Gives your commander hexproof, which is extremely useful. Creature gets plus two, plus two. It's only one to equip. So, yeah, pretty solid to me. 
I, I know this has been the pick like in the last two or three years, as have many inventions, but the timing is not going to get any better than now for inventions. Yeah, it's a lot like the uh, the saying was with uh, reserve list cards, the best time to get in is yesterday. Yep. I mean, obviously the best time to get these was when they were $15 in Europe four years ago, but we are a long way down the road from that. <laughs> uh, my next choice here is Tyvar Kell. And I don't care, actually, if it's the borderless or the regular foil, because I think we established with Kaldheim that they're equivalent rarity, right? Uh, for the borderless or regular foil... Because um, we said that are... with Vorinclex, the Phyrexian and regular showcase were the the same rarity. Uh, the borderless foil is going to be rarer than the regular foil. And yet, there are less of the regular foil listed on TCG Player than the borderless. That's interesting. By about 15% or something. So, and I actually think I like the regular art better. It's more regal. The other one is like a little bit more jaunty. Like it's Tyvar up at the top of a tree, like like singing a show tune or something. Whereas the other one is more <laughs> like, like, like tree bro Tyvar. Tree and, bro Tyvar. And... Take your pick. Pick one or the other. Roll your, you know, the dice in the direction you think you want to roll them. But these being $10 in the long term doesn't make much sense to me. It's a foil, mythic, planeswalker, elf related. Those are all fine things to be. And I think Kaldheim, Kaldheim is going to be underopened. So for these to go, say, 10 to 28 in the course of 12 to 18 months, probably, given that it's in 10% of green decks... Uh, since release on EDH Rack, and I expect that to drop down into the 3 to 4% zone, but that will still be plenty enough. Yeah, he, uh, he gives all elves the tap for mana ability, and you can just make elves or make your elves bigger, and then uh, it's just anything elf is going to be good eventually. So uh, this is solid as heck, especially with the discount for overseas. Yep. All right, what about your final selection? Uh, my other pick this week is uh, Draugr. Draugr? I've never been sure think, how to say it. I this. think Draugr. Draugr. Uh, I like full art, uh, extended art foils of Draugr Necromancer. Uh, again, out of Kaldheim. Uh, right now you can get them for around $3, and this feels like eventually a $10 card to me. It's mainly because of two uh, awesome things that are uh, combined together, like peanut butter and chocolate. One, you have the um, exiling everything that dies while it's in play. Uh, that's a big game in Commander because people do a lot of shenanigans. And two is the replayability of him as a zombie. So he, you do have to have uh, the Necromancer in play for you to be able to recast the stuff that got exiled. But as a zombie, that's a not a huge thing to overcome. Uh, is it a zombie cleric, I seem to recall? Um... Uh, yeah, he's a zombie cleric, so if there's two tribes that love to go back and forth from the graveyard, that's the dude. Um, yeah, I just... Uh, I got uh, one for my zombie deck, and I can't wait for paper play to start back up again so I can steal everything and play everything. I love this card. I flagged it in the, in the set review when we were talking to Jason with Travis, and I think it's going to fly under the radar... I had, so I haven't put it on on top of my priority list for specs, but this card does a lot of work, and if we get 
even a couple more snow sets over the years and the snow decks for EDH really fill out, th this card is going to get included over and over and over again because... It's I did switch my zombie deck to uh, as many Snowlands as I could just for uh, this card, and the um, the Betrayer King, whose name is Narfi. Narfi, yeah. Narfi, Narfi's done a lot of work for me in Caldheim Draft. Always seems oh, yeah. to be going around late, too late. So uh, all I need is a new snow snow zombie legend, and I'm good to go. Yep. Uh, all right, I like that one. Uh, $3 hard to go wrong. I don't know how long it's going to take to accelerate beyond that, but a minimum for personal copy. $3. It's just $3. Halvar, uh, <laughs> God of Battle. Showcase foils. Out of Europe. 12 bucks. They're closer to 20 already in North America. There aren't that many uh, left listed. I think that when I checked earlier today, we were looking at... Uh, Halvar Showcase Foils on TCG Player 39 results uh, This is also a Foil Showcase Mythic Keep in mind that there are about half as many of these listed on TCG right now as there are of Tyvar Kel and the price is almost double the price of Tyvar's That suggests to me that there is strong demand behind the card it has a very open-ended ability that makes sense in uh, white decks for EDH. Uh, creatures you control that are enchanted or equipped have double strike. And at the beginning of each combat, you can make tar attach target aura or equipment attached to a creature you control to a different creature. So you get to move stuff around without paying for it. it lets you move around auras, which is something you can't normally do. Obviously, that is typically... Uh, relegated to equipment and then it's got a flip side where there could be reasons to be using something whenever a quick creature dies return it to its owner's hand to say get around having to recast an expensive commander at higher and higher price points i especially like the potential shenanigans of uh, moving auras around uh, you can move what somebody put uh if somebody control magic something of yours you can change what that well no it has to be on a creature you control so if they put some kind of enchantment on your stuff. You can choose what creature to pile it all up on. Uh, a lot of times, retargeting auras doesn't uh, involve targeting. This one does. It does say target creature you control, so you can't get around Shroud that way. But uh, yeah, this is another really solid pick. I mean, enchantments and equipment, uh, no matter which um, kind of enhancement you're going for, this is going to be a, a popular one eventually. With only 40 listings at during peak supply, you, you've got to wonder whether this is going to be the kind of thing where if this has been in a fall set, if it had been part of Zendikar, uh, Zendikar Rising, you might expect that this card would be too plentiful for a solid 18 months plus. Could be half that time for Cal Time stuff. So, Foil Showcase Mythic in Europe. Pretty cheap. North America's already ahead six, seven, eight bucks. To call this to go ten to thirty within a year seems totally reasonable. I agree. Alright. So I guess that's a wrap for our stuff. The Pro Trader selection of the week is from user Fling with two G's. Uh, calling Entomb Masterpiece uh, Invocation as arbitrage from Europe to go 50 to 80 since copies on TCG player are already in that 70 to $80 range and probably headed for a hundred. 
Keep in mind, this is a card that's in 21,000 decks on EDH Rec. So if it's not S tier, it's at least A tier uh, in the commander community. And the invocations are being pressured pretty hard. Still copies to be mopped up in, in Europe around 40 euro plus shipping. Seems like a no-brainer. I'd agree with that. Uh, this is real big in the competitive EDH scene too because uh, a lot of decks are going to be able to really exploit stuff in the graveyard, uh, especially if you're uh, like some Gitrog monster combo where you need to get the um, dredge land in the yard in order to enable the uh, assorted shenanigans it's going to do. You want to have the sweetest version possible to do that, and the price is impossible to argue with if you can get it for that $20 cheaper in Europe compared to what it is here in North America. That's a, that's a slam dunk. Yep, so good selection by Fling. That's going to be a $25 gift certificate to our sponsor, Cool Stuff, Inc. And uh, congrats to him on that. Moving on over to a fairly brief segment, Topic of the Week this week. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on Time Spiral Remastered now that you've seen the whole set? Uh, just that um, I'm really excited at the idea of getting um, some old border cards, the non-foils. Uh, I think we're going to have an opportunity to pick up um some copies at a, a really good price uh i'm personally stoked for things like solemn and panharmonicon you know i don't i haven't looked at what the non-foil prices are for those at the moment uh let me see what do we got on tcg suffice so, to say pre-order pricing for the time shifted cards both foil and non-foil is very elevated right now. There's a lot of debate going on in the ProTrader Discord today about, you know, what is the EV actually going to look like for Time Spiral Remastered? How well is the set going to sell? Is there actually a scarcity of product as has been reported by many vendors? Or does the uh, deep inventory of uh, boxes on both eBay and Amazon signal that this is uh, a bigger release than people think seem to think it is? Uh, I think where I stand on this is that this is a medium product, that this is uh, a very swingy product to open, because as you established in your article last week, you get one foil time-shifted card per box. A little more than that, but on if you're opening a single box, that's probably what you're looking at. Yeah, 1.3. And so if you open a foil old border thought seize, your box is probably going to do very well, even if you paid $180 for it. But if you open a foil old border, I don't know, whatever the equivalent is of Squire this time around, but... Uh, secret plans. Sure. Uh, then you're probably not going to be too too excited. <laughs> so, and, and the point was made um, by multiple people that, you know, on Twitter and in our Discord and whatever, that a lot of these cards are cards people already own, you know, things like Tarmogoyf and Damnation and what have you. A lot of them have had recent reprints in recent years, so there wasn't, like, a tremendous uh, pent-up demand for them anyway. And so a lot of the onus rests on, I think, the non-foil uh, time-shifted cards, which are what? One per pack? Correct. Yeah. So it all kind of boils down to what kind of prices those will hold at one per pack. I do feel there are quite a few cards here that enfranchised Magic players will want to own a full playset of. And in some cases with the EDH-specific ones, perhaps beyond that. 
But I think that this product would have been much better priced at something like 140 retail instead of 200 retail. Yeah, they put uh, a premium price on this when the set itself doesn't have a huge amount of value. There are a few of the Mythics that are like really uh, sweet and do awesome things, but I think the, the main place where the value is at is going to be the uh, bonus sheet, the, the old frames. And I don't see, considering how people are going to be chasing the foils, I think the trickle-down effect from that is going to be that everything else becomes remarkably cheap. And there, there, there's going to be a real opportunity to stock up on, you know, old frame of uh, Mystic Confluence or what else would I really be into? Leyline of the Void. Uh, I'm curious to see how cheap that gets. You know, there's more than a few that are go that have the opportunity to become surprisingly cheap. There are... I, I think that the... The worst thing you can do with this set is crack a bunch of boxes rolling dice. The second best thing you can do is hope that the, the boxes are in fact scarce and sell into that scarcity, hopefully within a few months. If it's constantly available on Amazon around, around 180 and or drops down to, I think the lowest posted price ever on Amazon was 150 or 155. And if it gets back down to that outside of the hype cycle, somewhere approaching Strixhaven's release, then that's going to be a weight on boxes that people got in the 150 to 180 range, hoping to flip them until that inventory dries up or gets repriced at a higher place. So the best thing you can do with this set is figure out which singles are underpriced during release weekend. I wouldn't be buying any of this stuff on pre-order, although I, there, there have been some foils posted here and there and like small amounts on the internet where people feel like they got a good deal. I want to see what happens release weekend and just see, see how deep the mass box crackings go before I can get a real sense of what's going to happen with these singles. But I will say that some things, like for instance, uh, Old Border Wastes, where somebody might want 20 or 30 of those... <laughs> Currently priced on TCG Player at ten bucks a piece, with only one foil listed at two hundred. <laughs> if the the non foil versions get down to, I don't know, under five, three, four, five, something like that, and it looks like they aren't filling in very fast, get a couple weeks out and they're still sitting around at that, but there's only 40 or 50 listings on TCG Player, then I think that's probably a signal to move in and go pretty deep. Um, if, on the other hand, you have 300 listings and the, the prices are getting constantly undercut and those get driven down to a dollar, that's a different story. Then you then you got to stay away. But the, the base price, like the wholesale price to the vendors of these boxes should not be underestimated in its ability to keep prices high. Because you can't, if the EV of the boxes is below the market price of the singles, no, nobody's going to crack the boxes. Like gaming, well, the, like gaming company, for instance, is a has been a major player that showed up in the last year on TCG Player, and their whole model is crack lots and lots and lots of boxes, generate lots and lots of singles, sell them at what the market will bear, and have a relatively slim margin but a lot of volume. But 
they're only going they only do that in waves if they can a get access to product b if they can if they know that the ev on average of what they crack over thousands of boxes is going to work out so you know if they if the boxes are averaging in the market about 180 and wholesale is in the 150 like 140 160 range and the ev drops down to 100 to 120 you're not going to see very many box crackings past open weekend I see, I see your your point, and um, I just want to encourage folks that uh, I I wrote about this uh, I think three weeks ago that the timing is everything on this that you want when you want to get your personal copies don't pre-order them you want to wait until about a week after uh, the release when individuals have gotten their boxes like you said everybody who's buying off Amazon and eBay you know you can't ship those until the actual release day on Friday. Uh, you might get lucky and get it, you know, within a couple of days after that. But that one to two week timeline after release is when things are at their cheapest. It was true for uh, the last few sets worth of chase cards, whether it's uh, Phyrexian uh, Vorinclex or uh, an extended art foil of Jeweled Lotus. That's going to be your, your target date. And if you really want copies for your deck, uh, I know I've got a list of things I want to have for different decks of mine. That's when I'm going to be buying them. Um, and wait, the longer you wait, the more likely it is, especially for the foils, that it's going to dry up. Uh, I, like I said, I'm hoping that there's enough uh, product opened to make some of these uh, cheaper. Like a, I'd like to have uh, a few of these awesome-looking... Uh, Everflowing Chalices or uh, Vanquisher's Banner is a card I was surprised to see uh, reprinted here. But there's a, a lot of just stuff that isn't necessarily going to sell well. And I am going, I'm really curious to see how, how all of these end up. Because you're right, the number of boxes out there, there's, there's a lot of different information. Some people are saying there's a ton and others are saying there, there isn't any. And I, I don't know. Well, I, I think I could reconcile some of that. I think what's actually happening is that this is a, as far as I know, it is a one-and-done single-print wave for Time Spot well, right. Remastered. It's not going to be like Jumpstart where additional waves are going to appear throughout the year, to my knowledge. The And I've talked to plenty of people about it. But what has happened is that, on the one hand, you have local vendors saying they didn't get their full allocations. And on the other hand, you have people noting that Amazon has thousands of boxes. Well, those two things are connected. Wizards is shifting allocation on some of this stuff from a source where it has to go through multiple levels of distribution, which means Wizards makes less money, versus selling direct through their partner Amazon, where they make more money. Because basically Wizards gets to act as the distributor instead of the manufacturer. So they're cutting out at least one, if not two layers of middlemen. And that's a trend line I expect to continue. But <clears throat> I'm only concerned if the print run pre the Amazon relationship <clears throat> would have been 250,000 boxes. And with Amazon, it becomes 500,000 boxes. And those 500,000 boxes sell through. Because now you've got double the product in the market that you would have had previously. And you can end up in a situation like we did with Zendikar uh, rising collector booster boxes where they were printed at 25% more than your average collector booster box print run to the detriment of commander legends collector booster boxes 
And so you have relevant cards from the ZNRCB stalling out, whether while you have the uh, CMR CB cards skyrocketing in month one. And that's just that simple, right? You're just taking some print print run time from one set and giving it to another set, and you're going to have that immediate result. So if Time Spiral Remastered was at an elevated print run to support those uh, fresh e-commerce relationships that have been growing over the last couple of years, I would be concerned. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's much more likely that the allocations that the small stores didn't get are being pushed through Amazon because Wizards believes that the small stores are going to have trouble selling the product more than Amazon will. And so they've just think... changed what percentage is pushed through that channel. And so I don't think that that has any bearing on the overall size of the print run and everything to do with their distribution strategy. Do you think that is um, a profit grab by Wizards? Or is that, uh, well, because uh, smaller stores are having trouble uh, during the pandemic because you can't have in-person play in most of North America at this point. So when uh, we're past the pandemic, knock wood, do you think they would go back to giving stores a larger allocation? Well, we already saw, the, I mean, part of the announcement for Modern Horizons 2, to segue into that, was that the there's going to be additional product support to allow stores to sell stuff during the pre-release week. So between pre-release and release, they're going to have greater, WPN network stores are going to have greater access to product to sell into the hype cycle a little earlier, which is a good thing. So it's not like they have zero that they're looking to disband their LGS network. They just they're just deprioritizing it, and they will reevaluate once the COVID scenario has resolved itself. It makes sense what they're doing. It's cold blooded and ruthless. They're not <laughs> haven't been particularly great about making sure those stores stay in business. But I think they also look at it as a weeding out of the weak. You know, it's not necessarily a terrible thing in a lot of markets. Uh, a lot of regional markets to have the 20% of the weakest stores close because it can mean that you have stronger communities that form at the remaining stores. So like if you're in a city that has a Mox boarding house or something and 12 other stores and the bottom three or four close, that doesn't necessarily mean that that magic community shrinks or that wizards can sell less product. It just means that the tournaments at Mox are going to be bigger. All right. Now, in a super small town that might only have one store that was barely keeping the lights on, guy was probably selling pot out the back door for the majority of his profit. That's going to be a different situation. That whole that you know those fourteen people or whatever that were, they were able to cobble together for F and M may just end up forming a smaller group of five five people that play EDH on the weekends together, or they're playing EDH online, or they're playing Magic Arena, and maybe somebody will pull the pull the group back together when things turn the corner. But it, the the bottom line is this: Time Spiller Remastered, not a super huge print run. Uh, it is kind of an awkward set. I think the price point is a little awkward. Um, and so how well that price point holds up versus being undercut is going to depend on how much, how well it sells. And then how well it sells is going to directly inform the price of these singles. One of the interesting things is if you believe the set is going to underperform because it's priced too high versus the EV, as some people were talking about in our Discord, um, a, a, of the likely EV, then what you're really saying is there's not going to be that many singles in the market 
And what you're really saying is, is that those singles are actually going to be fairly resilient to falling much below their opening weekend pricing. Just because, as to my earlier point, there won't be that many mass crackings. If the EV is too low, less the product gets opened. And we saw it, and one of the things backing this theory is what we just saw with Keldheim. The reason there's Keldheim cards on the list this week, this early in the cycle, is because peak supply is actually probably behind us for Keldheim, because the set was not did not post up an EV that was generous enough to encourage mass box crackings coming out of the very uh, exciting triple threat of Double Masters VIPs, Zenikar Rising Expeditions, and then Commander Legends in the fall. Kaldheim was, you know, a normal standard set. And the collector boosters were, you know, largely focused on showcases, which were available in all the products. And so other than Vorinclex, there haven't really been any like huge winners there um, that would drive vendors to be cracking a lot of boxes. And then, of course, there's no standard play to be had and, and so on and so forth. So if you think that Kaldheim was underopened and you might also believe Time Spiral might be underopened, that doesn't necessarily mean that the singles are going to get cheap. It means the boxes might get cheap. But Wizards, we also know, if boxes are sitting on pallets not going anywhere in the distribution network, Wizards will eventually just burn them. Like, they literally destroy product if it doesn't sell. Which, again, will only reinforce <laughs> the process of these singles being resilient. There's also a bunch of stuff here that I, I just I see a lot of people buying four of. The Chalice of the Void, Old Border, Foil, sure, that's going to be expensive, but the non-foils are also worth keeping a look an eye on. Abrupt Decay playsets, the Waste is probably a high-priority target for speculation because, again, people might want 20, 30 copies of it. Um, thought seizes, non-foil, primeval titans, foil and non-foil, uh, monastery swift spears, foil at least, the young pyromancer foil playsets. There's a, a case to be made, and this is something that um, I'm going to be fascinated by when we get back to paper play, because um, we got our first extended arts um, around the time that the pandemic was, you know firing up was really getting underway and we haven't had a lot of paper events with uh these chase versions in non-foil because there's a lot of tournament players you know if you play with half your deck foil that's you know highly suspect especially if you only have like you're not going to play uh a deck with only four foil leyline of the void and everything else is non-foil so having a more unique version in non-foil might be something that the tournament scene really uh, embraces. So you can have your playset of um, sweet thought seizes that aren't foil and don't warp and aren't bent in your deck in the same way that um, you can mix it up with other non-foils but still have it be a sweet version. If it turns out that uh, these old border non-foils you know, the tournament ones, you got your Remand, uh, Path to Exile, uh, Kiki Jikis, stuff like that. I, I don't know why I say Kiki Jiki is a tournament staple, but um, I'm hoping. These are these are all cards that, you're right, they'll be uh, four ofs. And if they're popular in non-foil, that's going to say a lot about where um, tournaments are for Pioneer and Modern going forward. There's just a lot of super, super tier, like A tier staples here eternal witness 
uh, Sylvan Scrying, Kiki Jiki, Mystic Sanctuary. The, people need to understand, like the, the cracking period for this set might be two to three weeks. Yeah, because we got Strixhaven like very quickly on the back of this, and that's that's something that would be true no matter what the um, perceived. You know, no matter what problems you have with uh, Amazon versus local store distribution, the fact that we'd only have this available for a couple of weeks before Strixhaven has everybody's attention, uh, that's that's going to play a huge part. Also, um, I, I hope that this is a, a good experience to draft with, but we, we won't have a lot of places where you can go draft it in person. This is going to be primarily opened for value you know that we're not going to have a lot of these cards um put into circulation after drafts these are just going to be opened for the the value of the thing well it's a unique draft draft experience so it's probably got some longer term value once covid is under control um but I mean, the, the list of staples continues. Vampire Hexbage, Treasure Cruise, Reclamation Sage, Gurmag Angler, Knight of the Reliquary, Ancient Stirrings. Uh, you got your Mole Drifters, your Elvish Mystic, Bedlam Reveler, Dovin's Veto, Beast Within. Like all these things that cross over between either Pioneer or Modern and EDH. And you can get them in Old Border, but only in this set. And a lot of this stuff will show up in further reprintings in Commander decks and other supplemental sets master sets whatever down the road but it won't be an old border and one of the things that people are going to get wrong is thinking that the commons can be ignored oh that's just a common that's treasure cruise like that's banned everywhere anyway but the thing is all of the the time shifted cards have the same rarity right so if it ends up that there are 900 copies of reclamation sage listed on tcg player i'm in no rush to pick up the non-foils and I'll focus mostly on the foils. But if I see like sub 100 listings opening weekend out to, you know, first first and second week and then that number is steadily dropping like it did with Commander Legends, like it did with the best cards from Keldheim, that will pique my attention. And at that point I will go ahead and, you know, snap off figure out which of these has the highest overall demand profile, which is probably something we'll post in the Pro Trader Discord, and then go after the, the the top five or ten cards because again like the, this is the only place you're going to be able to get this stuff and if the overall ev of the set doesn't hold up then <laughs> this stuff's going to hollow out pretty fast yeah so if you're looking for a um a benchmark for how many copies will be available just keep an eye on the secret plans uh i can't imagine more than like a yeah there, nobody's going to want um non-foil versions of secret plans for anything so when if you see uh 900 copies of that but you only see um you know 100 copies of kasali pride mage or knight of the reliquary or whatever um that's that's your indicator of how many people are buying it mystic confluence crystal shard yeah. solemn far seek zealous conscripts a lot of hits here a lot of hits so I, I, the foils are so hard to come by that, and so many of them that are opened by players are just going to go straight into collections and yeah, they're never, not going and never come out. Like if you if you open one box of Time Trial Remastered, you treat you work a sixty five thousand dollar a year job, you are twenty seven years old, you have a girlfriend but she doesn't live with you, and you pick up your 
Time Spell remastered in the Midwest somewhere, and you open a foil time shifted solemn simulacrum. You're going to put that in your best EDH deck that can that is at a power level that can still run solemn, and it will never reappear in the market ever. Now you could also open something nobody needs. There are cards like that in here, and that's why the boxes are going to be super swingy. You know, if you you open whatever, I don't know, Banishing Light. That's cool, but it's not going to justify the price of your box. I mean, what's the... Uh, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this. We still want to talk a little bit more about Modern, Modern Horizons. But um, what would the cheapest old border foil be? Like, not which card, <laughs> but how much? how much are you expecting the cheapest one to be? Because this is like... The cheapest, um, the cheapest Battle for Zendikar expeditions were still, you know, twenty some odd dollars for the bicycle lands. They got even lower though. They got down to ten. Did they? Wow. Yeah, we we, we could get a ten dollar foil here, I suppose. But keep in mind that anybody who's trying to make a set of this, like my dad, if there are even two thousand five hundred people in North America that are going to try to build foil sets, that's going to do a lot to prop up the price of these foils. Because my father's going to go on TCG Player when he decides to put this set together, and he's going to buy one of everything at whatever the current price is. And Are there 2,500 copies of your dad in North America? I think so. If you believe that there are tens of millions of Magic players, for sure. I mean, the collectibles boom this year could not exist if the whales weren't legion. Like, there has to be X amount of disposable income in the market to be driving the ridiculous price acceleration we've seen all year across many different uh, collectible segments. You can't have $1.1 million Pokemon boxes unless you've got deep pockets paying attention to collectibles every week. It's also true that um, the timing on this could not be better for chasing incredibly rare old border foils with both uh, tax season and uh, COVID relief money entering uh, American pockets in the next, you know, two to f six weeks. Yeah, that's the so thing. Like, I mean, there's might... going to be a lot of spare cash. You might, you might think like, what jerk ha has the spare cash at this point? And the truth is, there's a lot of folks who who have it. And like you said, the boom this past what six months? That's what it's all about. There's so much stuff here, like Bloodbraid Elves, Old Border, Everflowing Chalice. Uh, I do love the Chalice. Pa paradoxical Outcome, uh, Street Wraith. Uh, oh, I guess There's street, not a lot street, of miss street, on street, here. Street, street, Wraith, street Wraith isn't Old Border, though, right? That's just in the set. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Paradoxical Outcome, Zulaport Cutthroat. You know, the Sliver decks are going to want their Sinew Sliver. It's unfortunate that Dreadhorde Arcanist was just banned out of relevance, but could still be a thing in... Is it Pioneer where it's not banned? Yeah. Yeah. I also be... really appreciate that um, they they took a moment and the, the graveyard cards like uh, Stinkweed and Prized Amalgam, they put the little tombstone on there just as yeah. a real, like, we we remember you guys. We, we we remember what it was like back then where you needed a marker for this for all the stuff in your graveyard. So here you go. Sanguine Bond, Field of Ruin. There's a lot of hits here. Even stuff like people are talking about like Hedron Archive. You know, how what will the price of those foils be? It won't be as low as you think. No, because and I, I think 
that's, that's true very, for all of these. It's a very mediocre mana rock for EDH that makes sense in a you know mid to like a five to seven kind of power band for EDH. But there's enough people that are familiar with the card that would think the old border foil was cute. That if you list a hundred copies and the price starts plunging down to ten dollars, they'll get bought back up to some higher price. And if it started at a hundred, it won't stay there. But even if it gets, if it goes to like down to fifteen, and it could easily get driven back up to forty, could get driven up to fifty because if there's just not that many listed, and that and that's really what's going to drive this. So I, I would pay attention to all this. Manifold Key was a foil spec of mine a while back. Old border foils are are just even better. I mean, that's just an improved Voltaic Key. And this will be yep. the coolest version of it probably for a lot of years. I just, I am looking forward to, I think that for the people who buy off of Amazon, like if your average foil price uh the average foil of the old border is somewhere in the 60 to 70 range um that's presuming you know a lot of 20 and 30 dollar foils you know your banishing light your team or battle rage your secret plans um that's that's a lot of the value of a box and if the non-foils are ranging from just above bulk to you know 10 or 15 dollars the thought sees is probably going to be the the big winner there you're still looking at a lot of value added in and it's going to encourage a lot of opening but then weighing that out is a number of people who like you said it's not going to circulate they're going to open it and be like sweet i have exactly the deck for this card i'm just going to put it in there and never will i sell it one of the things that's weighing that weighs down the ev of the set is that they because they are bound by the constraints of what is currently in Time Spiral Block. I mean, what was in Time Spiral Block, and and the fact that a lot of those cards have already seen reprints uh, in recent years means that they're, they had to upshift some rare stuff to Mythic, and the Mythics in this set are very unexciting. Like, out, out, outside of the, the time-shifted cards. All, all the best, quote-unquote, Mythics are downshifted from mythic in the time shifted slot where you're actually getting you know you have ac greater access to them than you would expect to have if they were printed somewhere else but whereas the commons are are you know things like monastery swift spear as and i think it was an uncommon in ktk um, yes are you know are more rare than they would be normally so anyway the be very curious to see how this all plays out Let's dip into Modern Horizons 2 uh, news. We know that the the WPN premium deadline for Modern Horizons 2 is March 26th. They've moved up the release date. I think it was supposed to be in July before, if I'm not mistaken. Now release is June 11th. So pretty close on the heels of Strixhaven. This is very reminiscent of when we went War of the Spark into Modern Horizons. It's going to be a very similar summer because Strixhaven has the fancy Japanese cards, that are sprinkled throughout all the product, but are uh, will be especially sexy out of the Japanese collector booster boxes for Strixhaven. Uh, and then we're heading right into Modern Horizons 2 in the same way that we did in 2019 for Modern Horizons 1. 
uh, if you look back at those two sets, they both had a lot of cards that made people a lot of money. So <laughs> I could very easily see the summer shaving up to be a, a pretty similar thing. Yeah, anytime you have one set on top of another set, you have uh, a change in interest going on. And the only complicating factor there is that uh, we are, uh, in North America, the vaccination rate is proceeding at a pace that this might be around the time that stores start reopening uh, at a, a serious pace. And I, I have no idea what kind of craziness is going to happen once people are able to play Magic in person again. Um, they did put in the Modern Horizons uh, uh, information that uh, they're encouraging spell table use, um, which is a fun way to play Commander. I haven't tried playing like uh, regular Magic with it, but you know, you're looking for how to get people to to play Magic and to move paper cards. Uh, this would be one way to do it, and uh, doing a, a pre-release from home. Sounds pretty fun to me, although um, I, I do love pre-releases in general because that's really when your your cards are your most expensive and you can uh, trade them away or sell them off immediately for uh, maximum value. But the um, the introduction of paper play uh, around this time frame is what's got me wondering, you know, do I just bunker down with all the top loaders ready to sell everything I possibly can? Do I just uh, head into a bunker myself and wait for the storm to pass? You know, I don't know how it's going to go at all. Also worth flagging that Modern Horizons 2 will apparently be the first ever non-standard set to have pre-release packs, which seems like, it seems like a choice they must have made pre-COVID, but they stuck with it. I mean, they could have backed, backpedaled on this, you would have thought six months ago, but maybe, maybe they thought... I, I, actually, I don't even know what to say about it. <laughs> it seems odd to me that this would be the moment that you would go for that. Um, unless, of course, these these pre-release packs have something special about them that we haven't heard about yet. Um, I would imagine there will be some deals to be had. There might end up being a Pro Trader group buy on pre-release packs because I even if there are more stores open at that point, it won't be nearly... The majority of the network um, and in canada it could well be true that you won't see stores back to doing that kind of thing until fall so i would imagine there are going to be cases of pre-release packs floating around at a reasonable price but i guess we'll see yeah um and this is going to have the same uh roughly seven dollar a pack pricing as the first modern horizons correct it's not mentioned because, not mentioned. Okay. because MSRP doesn't isn't stated doesn't exist anymore. Days. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I would guess that that is probably true. So we're, we're probably looking at boxes that will be I'm trying to think what the lowest we paid for MH1 boxes was. I think it was around trader. 180, 160. That sounds about right. So, I remember 180 was. Um, I got I think one or two boxes at that price. Uh, via one of the the folks that tend to pre-sell it and i think i don't remember if we had a group buy of sealed product i'm certainly curious whether we are getting russian version of <laughs> modern horizons 2 as we did with modern horizons 1 because we'll certainly be doing a group buy on that 
those were very popular and had a lot of good cards in them. And if you hit a good foil in those boxes, you were in good shape. Now, one of the questions I have is whether Modern Horizons 2 will have the new foil drop rate. We know that there are collector boosters confirmed for Modern Horizons 2. So it, in it that would seem to suggest, given what we know about the typical formulation of collector boosters, that the foil commons and uncommons in Modern Horizons 2 will be near worthless compared to what they were in Modern Horizons 1, where they were actually fairly hard to come by. There's a case to be made that um, any new uh, card in foil is worth, you know, stocking up on uh, for just because it's new and it's the only chance at it. But until we know more about um, what's in it and especially the formulation of collector boosters, like they... They've shown us that they are willing to experiment in some really unusual ways with the distribution of cards. Remember in Commander Legends, they decided that uh, the slot would upgrade to a, um, an extended art foil only 30% of the time, but then they did away with that in Kaldheim. So uh, the, the sky's the limit for whatever weird thing they can decide to do. I, I would and... imagine we're going to see $300 retail on the MH2 collector boosters. Keep in mind, this is going to be foil extended art fetches by all yeah, reasonable but you account. Can, you can already have a couple of different um, sweet versions of fetch. We talked about this uh, just this podcast, where you can have Flooded Strand in your selection of art, and you'll yeah. have yet another new frame to choose from. Sure, and, and enemy fetches have three releases in the last year, but they've been pretty resilient. Like... I just sold a foil German Zendikar Rising Expedition to uh, Misty Rainforest for forty over the English price. It was like one thirty-eight or something. That's pretty surprising. Um, which was part, you know, the output from my thesis that the German Zendikar Rising boxes I picked up were probably going to be totally fine because although the bulk part is the bulkiest of bulk, like nobody's going to take your, you know, the commons. Uh, German commons that they can't even remember uh, what they do. But the expeditions being basically two foils and two non-foils per collector booster made me completely comfortable taking on the German ones because <laughs> foil German, Misty Reinforced, Skelding Tarn, etc. is just too hot of a hit and indeed has pro- proven to have a solid premium. You'd expect Japanese to be the same. I'm very curious if there is Russian for Modern Horizons 2, if there will also be Russian collector boosters for the first time, because we've never had Russian collector boosters. If that's true, those are probably going to go for 300 to 400. That seems like a pretty safe bet. The first time it shows up in that language would be uh, a, a chase card indeed. Um, my, my guess is no. Like I don't think there will be Russian of it. <laughs> but it keep in mind that we're going to get... Stuff like Urza, Yogmoth, like Hogak power level. And it's going to be, there's going to be foil extended arts of those cards. Mm-hmm. So you could get some like new Mishra card. And There does be, need to be a new Mishra because old Mishra is uh, not very good when it comes to commander or, uh, and it's not, it's pretty underwhelming in um, constructed too. So I could see them giving us like a red Mishra or something. And if that card's fantastic in EDH, the, the foil extended art <laughs> right out of the gate could be pretty cool. And it's also possible that there's a showcase uh, variant in Modern Horizons, like with alt art or something. 
Uh, I'm expecting a, a pretty hot product release for that, for sure. I'd agree with that. Like all the um, the supplementary stuff, they'll they'll have something to to really goose it and and make it worthwhile. Like if we didn't have the um, old border stuff, would we really care about Time Spiral Remastered? I wouldn't be thinking about it until like two they, months from now when things were super underpriced and I could buy a stack of Gauntlet of Power if they at $10 hadn't, each. If they hadn't included the time-shifted old border foils, then I think they would have had to price it at standard pricing. Yes, absolutely. And that that's why they, they, were, they felt able to do it, and that's why they changed the foil drop rate the way they did. Yep, exactly. Because if, if it had been a foil old border card per pack... <laughs> they would not have functioned as strong anchors for the EV of the set. Yeah, they uh, making it basically uh, one uh, 1.3 foil old borders per box me- makes them super chase. I, I, I am very much in favor of them having like sexy things per pack, but I'm very much in favor of the premium treatments being that rare. Because that's that's the chase lottery ticket status you need to prop up the kind of higher retail price points that they're striving for. If you want to charge $200 a box, you got to make the stuff we can pull out of it rare enough to justify it. Also, uh, you need something to, to help the fact that, like you said, these mythics um, that are getting reprinted, like I'm looking at them and you're looking at stuff that for the most part hasn't had a lot of reprints. And so um, the scarcity is what's driving the price, not yeah, the exactly. demand. Mm-hmm. You know, Sliver Legion sure is a uh, hundred dollars out of Future Sight and one thirty out of the Judge Foil, but that's because um, there are not that many out there, and there's not that many people who need one. Only the people who have built a five-color Sliver deck need one of these. So uh, I don't think it's going to hold uh, right now. You can get one. It looks like. Uh, it's pre-selling for $60. That's surely not going to hold. Nope. It's got to come down to somewhere in 25 to $40 range would be my guess during peak supply. And that level of drop is what you should be expecting from everything else in Time Spiral Remastered, just in case you were unclear about where things are going to go. The, the only thing I would even remotely be considering buying on pre-order from that set is foils if they seem just ridiculously underpriced versus the market. I would give serious thought to any old border foil around 50. I think I'd have to stop and pause and think about it. Like I was looking at, um, there was a um, Grey Merchant of Asphodel, or was it uh, the Teamer Ascendancy? One of those was at $60, and I was staring at it for quite a while and thinking like, I want this. I'm going to buy this. I just, I don't want to buy it right now because I really hate pre-ordering cards. There's also a good chance that in Japan or in Europe, some of this stuff will be more undervalued during the race to the bottom. Like that's where I'm going to have my eyes on the swivel to, to see what they don't price highly. But Japan's been surprising me lately with some of the stuff that they collector oriented things that are priced higher in Japan than anywhere else. So for instance, they've taken the lead on the Phyrexian Vorenklex. I didn't see that coming. Because that, from their perspective, given their play community and the lack of EDH play, that's purely a collector card. Like, it's a cool card, but they don't need it for decks. So, 
kind of amazed. And ditto with like uh, Jeweled Lotus. Jeweled Lotus foil extended arts are extremely expensive in Japan as well. Yeah, but the and that's a lot of that is due to just the um, the prestige of the card. You know, if if this is the it's a, collect, it's a collector side play, yeah, they're they're yeah. analyzing it as a collectible. So the uh, one final point on on Modern Horizons, I would suspect Wizards tries to knock this out of the park like they did with VIP packs. Entirely possible that Modern Horizons two CBs could be more a, a heavier print run than the regular boxes again. There wasn't a, it seemed to be in the announcement that there were set boxes, but people said that they used a, like copied and pasted a template. So we don't have full confirmation whether there are actually set boxes for Modern Horizons 2 or not. Keep in mind that set boxes include the list and the list would include presumably other stuff that's not in the set. So if there are set boxes for Modern Horizons 2 and there is a list update, that list could be a bunch of stuff from Modern Horizons One. <laughs> that would be pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Because we, I mean, we don't know how much of Modern Horizons Two is going to reprint Modern Horizons One. Um, I think that like Force of Negation seems like a, a pretty easy inclusion into something like this, right? In the list, maybe if there are set set boxes. No, I, I think it would be in the in the main set. Like this would be one of the main ways to make sure that you have people mm-hmm. spending the extra money on Modern nope. Horizons. I don't think no? so. I don't think you're going to see any reprints for Modern Horizons one in the main set for Modern Horizons two. None. Nope. I, I think it's possible. Like I, I, I don't have knowledge that that's the case. That's just my guess. I think that they'll sh- throw some of that stuff in the list. I also think it's possible that there is. In the collector boosters exclusively, there may be sexy alt art MH1 cards. So it could be that if there are no set boosters and therefore no list, maybe there's a slot in the MH2 collector boosters where it's like foil extended art force of negation. Because that's a guaranteed home run. Like if you Mm. give us premium versions, keep in mind that most of the stuff in Modern Horizons doesn't have a premium version yet. A few of them just showed up in Time Spiral Remastered and Old Border, like we got Yawgmoth. But most of the rest of that stuff doesn't have a premium version yet, because it was predates that era. So they could easily go to that well. If they mix Modern Horizons 1 and Modern Horizons 2 cards. I don't think they would mix it. I just think that this is a, an excellent opportunity to reprint some of the more expensive stuff from Modern Horizons 1 and uh, make sure that you know, there's there's more copies of it. They, sure, they but, want... but keep in mind that the as compared to Modern Masters, Modern Masters 2015 and Modern Masters 2017, Modern Horizons is supposed to be a different concept. It's supposed to be new cards to modern. Okay. And that, and that grouping is supposed to be either cards that are not legal in modern being brought forward, which we saw last time with uh, Unearth and, and other things, um, and brand new cards so i get that but does that mean we would end up with like we haven't had a modern masters since 2017 right well the argument can be made that time spiral remastered fulfills that function to some extent that commander legends fulfills that that function to some extent that the list fulfills that function to some extent like we already had uh renin six show up in the list um and some of that stuff can show up in a mystery booster type product like they have lots of reprint venues. They don't necessarily need strict reprint sets in the way that they were doing them five years ago anymore. 
And all that being said, something like Force of Negation could show up in Modern Horizons 2. They could pick one or two key cards that they think are big draws in the same way that they might print Karn Liberated or Liliana of the Veil a couple of times in three years or Mana Crypt or whatever because they're S-tier cards and they know that they sell packs. But Modern, I, I suspect that Modern Horizons 2, because Modern Horizons 1 symbol was MH1, that they always knew there was an MH2, that a lot of these cards were in the card file as far back as when they were setting up MH1. And there, I, I suspect it to be at least at the power level of MH1, if not higher. So there are plenty of new Force of Negations to be had, and presumably foil extended arts or similar premium versions thereof. I don't think they're okay. going to have tr- I don't think they're going to have trouble selling these packs without going I don't think back to trouble the well. with it either, but I I see what you're saying that that Modern Horizons is supposed to be, you know, the new stuff whereas Modern Masters was just to get more copies out there so that people can play Modern for a reasonable price if not necessarily a cheap price. So I I, I get you and you're right that uh, Red and Six got themselves excuse me, a little bit of a reprint um just Force of Negation is really crying out for it. and um... If they do it, I would guess if they integrate, like bring cards from Modern, whether it's from Modern Horizons 1 or just Modern in general that were already legal and put them in the set and they just say, hey, we did a smattering of these because we thought it made sense. Like maybe it supported the draft environment or maybe they just thought it would sell packs. I would guess you'll get three three to five of them or something. Like they'll, they'll pick a, some banner stuff they don't need to is the thing. Like, and they're very conscious of reprint equity. Like, people were like, "Why didn't they do this or this or this in the time shifted slot for Time Spiral Remastered?" Because they want to do it for something else later. Like, keep in mind, Strixhaven is like thirty premium versions of spells that are going to have both English and Japanese art versions. And then Modern Horizons Two probably has some kind of like premium fanciness. And then the Dungeons and Dragons set. And then there's a double Innistrad set. And then maybe there's a surprise set in November. Who knows? So they're going to space it out. And uh, Modern Horizons 2, of all the sets you can imagine, if Time Spiral Remastered conceptually has a problem in terms of how are we going to make sure people pay extra for this, I think Modern Horizons 2 is in the opposite <laughs> position, right? It's probably the e- like just the name. If, if you just sold the product with no preview season, which, by the way, if I was running things, I would totally do that at some point. Just have a set. Why? Just have a black box set with no hype. They did that with Mystery Booster. Oh, where Gavin walked in with the thing, and it was a just tremendously yeah, successful no, set. Nobody, yeah, nobody knew what it was. It's just that, like Mystery. I think there's room for that, but you don't want that to be like a regular thing. It, it's like, not. You do that it's not smart. It's not smart marketing. I just think it's more fun. I agree with you. Um, I don't like if you sat down with somebody's cube. Uh, I, I don't want to know much about the cube. I just want to have the totality of the new experience. Like, can you imagine drafting Modern Horizons two without having seen a single card? I every I've gotten to the point where I, I pre, preview season I try to not indulge in all the previews, and then I'm just like clicking F five on Mythic Spoiler a whole bunch. So <laughs> I'm not. I, the one I imagine asking. I imagine we'll have leaks on Modern Horizons two by like next Tuesday. <laughs> given how things usually go there'll be some somebody will leak something on reddit or whatever and it'll be floating around so the 
you know, I'm sure we'll be able to revisit this shortly and firm up our concepts. I'd agree with that. All right. Uh, and- Anything else you wanted to add? I think we can start wrapping things up. Where can people find you online, Cliff? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Word of Commander, as well as my Friday articles on mtgprice.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic, as well as via my constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord. Also, like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com Pro Trader service for just $7.99 a month or $79.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. While the, while the world is play, paying $175 to $200 a box minimum for Flesh and Blood Monarch, our folks are paying under $100. So. The, the group buys that we've had have been uh, truly amazing, and um, they've been really good at making sure I don't have any spare cash. So Community is super nice. Tournaments are super fun. It's a good place to hang out. It is. There's a, a lot to keep up with, and it can be a little intimidating, but there's uh, n- I've never been part of a more welcoming community, and I'm, I'm super impressed with what we have going on. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Don't forget to use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the word FINANCE with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. That is the end of things for now. Thanks for calling me, James. I was worried during the pandemic that I would... Never darken the doorstep of Fast Finance again, because everybody stays home and never takes a break. <laughs> Both of Travis and I having children, and eventually COVID letting up, and me needing to run for a vacation somewhere, will almost guarantee that we'll see more of Cliff in 2021. Thank you, Cliff. Thank you, Travis. Hope your migraine feels better, and we will see everybody next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. <laughs>